Welcome to Packaging Possibilities, a podcast from Packaging Digest that reveals what's new and what's next for packaging executives and engineers, designers and developers. I'm Lisa Pierce, Executive Editor of Packaging Digest. Today, I'm talking about reusable packaging, specifically reusable primary packaging with Jason Foster. He's the founder and chief reuser of Replenish. <laughs> Replenish is a bottle plus refill pod package, which is still one of the coolest packages I've ever seen in my 38 years of writing about packaging. If you haven't seen it yet, pause for a moment and go see it at myreplenish.com. Jason, hello and welcome. Hi, Lisa. So uh, the first time that you and I had talked, which was back in 2014, if you can believe that, yeah. at that time, the vast majority of American consumers really didn't like refill packages. Uh, you know, the sustainability thing was up and coming, but um, uh, they really didn't like them. And at that time, the go-to format was um, pretty much the flexible pouch some, sometimes they had a, a spout on the end of it uh, to make it easy to dispense. Um, and then you were you were refilling a, a rigid bottle that you had already a bought, either um, with the product that's in the pouch or, uh, you know, the product that's in the pouch and then also adding a little bit of water from the tap. Wasn't very convenient. Uh, it was often um, messy. And... Um, to be honest, it really didn't move the environmental needle enough, I don't think, at that point. Yes. Um, and it was um, pretty much those challenges that spurred you to invent the Replenish Bottle Plus Refill Pod package. Um, but I really do sense that there's been a shift in America where consumers, businesses, and retailers are much more open to reusable primary packaging than ever before. Do you see the, the same thing too? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's wonderful to connect with you, Lisa, and, and um, you've had a pulse on this movement for quite a long time. I think there's it's a it's a it's a complicated sort of um, opportunity to break down, but at its essence, it's about actually giving the consumer more and trying to design something that kind of takes out the externalities, the waste, right? The plastic transporting water that we already have in our homes to be able to make something that actually creates a better experience for consumers. So, you know, while this movement of thinking about reuse, I still feel it's in its infancy. I still feel it's very early days. Um, it's really about creating something that's going to be nicer to hold, something that feels better in your hand, something that has some um, you know more benefits than just the disposable, cheap, throwaway products that we've become accustomed to, really. So mm -hmm. um, you know, part of that is, as you mentioned in the early days, it might be a a pouch that you pour into a container that you're reusing. Um, you know, that's step one, and and uh, you know, as replenish kind of takes that theme and and moves it ahead several places. Um, in terms of having something that is a, is, a, is a true concentrate that you're able to mix inside that reusable bottle and add your own water. But, you know, we applaud all these, all these steps about 
trying to get consumers to think about what it is they're really buying. What, what, what are they putting their money down for? And I think that there's a growing awareness that a lot of the products that people are buying are mostly water. And mm. it is, you know, 90% water in several instances. So there is a better way to think about the products that you're bringing into your home and that you're reusing every day. And there's an opportunity to design them in a more thoughtful way. Okay. So, um, you know, from a sustainability point of view for the last, uh, actually, I would say two decades now, but definitely over the last decade, we've been seeing a lot from a a packaging point of view of reduce and recycling, uh, recycle, reduce and recycle. Um, What do you think has changed most recently? You said you really still do believe that reusable packaging is still in its infancy, but what's changing? You know, we both said that we're seeing the shift, but what's causing yeah. this shift? Well, I, it's the biggest thing that I've always had a problem with um, is that the very notion of the effectiveness of recycling. I think now it's undeniable that recycling is not the answer. It's not the way out of these vast, enormous amounts of waste that we generate as a society, as a household. Um, it, it just is so complicated and convoluted in lots of instances. And we've been doing it for 30 years, and we still can't quite seem to get those recycling rates up. And it's not because there's not a lack of focus and effort. It's just a really complicated um, endeavor. Yes, and it's an I entire an entire process. Yes, it's an entire process that, in its core, is very capital intensive and very energy intensive. And don't get me wrong; it has its place. It, it but it is um, we. I think for decades thought that oh well, we just recycle. You know, I'm I'm doing everything. I'm recycling, and I think that now we kind of see. Wait a second, recycling isn't everything that I maybe thought it was. And I think that there's been some wonderful groups of people that have pushed the companies to have to step aside from that public sort of stance that, hey, you're doing everything you can. You're recycling and say, no, 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 no. There's more that you need to do because recycling is not as effective as 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 we all want it to be. And uh, so I think that that has shifted more energy, more accountability more focus into not just touting the benefits of recycling as a way to get out of this these waste streams, but uh, as looking at other opportunities. And that's where reuse comes in. Reuse is 10 times, 20 times more effective when you look at some LCA analysis than recycling can be. Recycling has its place, but there's no reason why we can't design products at the front end that way we don't have to keep throwing them into a bin, sending them all for recycling, and then rebuying them again. And that at its core is what makes reuse so powerful. And it can be expressed in so many different ways, right? There's a lot of different ways to think about a reusable business model when it comes to packaging. Mm. You mentioned um, LCA, which um, I think most people listening to this will recognize as life cycle, uh, depending on how you've learned it, either assessment or analysis. (laughs) That's Um, right. But um, so the life cycle um, idea, uh, has anybody ever done LCAs, like compared LCAs 
of um, recycling versus reuse. I mean, I've seen LCAs on reusables and LCAs on, you know, packages that are at the end of life recycled, but I don't know that I've ever seen a comparison of those two. That would be kind of kind of cool to see, I think. Yeah, we, we went down that that uh, path and, and seeing that really, you know, there's a there's it's three to one, you know, four three to one, four to one. And some of those benefits when you look at the a package that you just sent out for recycling and versus one that you design for reuse. And, you know, reuse is just one part of it. Right. I think that that's one thing that you have to break down these opportunities when it looks at what it, how a product format is brought to you. Most of the product formats that are out there today, 99% of them are ready to use products, right? And as we've talked about many of these formulations, whether it's a cleaner, whether it's a hand soap, whether it's a uh, air and fabric care, most of the products have a very high water content. And so when you're buying that ready to use product, you're buying the bulk and the weight of that product is really the water. So, mm -hmm. you know, the big inspiration when you start thinking about, okay, if I could design a, a container that I can reuse, but, but how can I transport the concentrate and think about how can I make it easy and intuitive and integrated for a consumer to attach that concentrate container to the reusable bottle component and mix that concentrate and add water where it feels really seamless and it feels convenient and there's a reward attached to it. So that that's where we look at this movement of reuse and looking at the product that you're buying. We think the future is not only reusable, but we think the future is concentrate friendly. We think okay. that's where you start thinking about products that where you take that water out, ship a consumer the concentrate version of what they're buying. And often you can design products that are superior to the ready-to-use format, that that are actually more efficacious, that maybe have a, a, a wider spectrum of maybe fragrances or other more technical benefits that you can design when you start looking at concentrates and dosing, things that where consumers can maybe have a little bit more control in, in how strong they want a product or how much fragrance they might want in a product Give them some latitude in that. So I, I, I just am very inspired and very excited about this future when we look and embrace concentrates combined with the reusable component of packaging. Well, as you were talking, I was thinking that there are a lot of reasons why those um, benefits would resonate today um, with today's consumers. And um, I know you talked about uh, being able to personalize it. That's uh, still a pretty big trend. Mm -hmm. um, I think there is a um, uh, efficacy, as you had also pointed out. Um, yep. And as soon as you said that word, I thought to myself, for, for I don't even know for how long, but um, one of the reasons why a lot of uh, pharmaceuticals are what they call lyophilized, which basically is uh, freeze-dried. So you have this formulation, it goes through a freeze-drying operation, you're left with just the solids, and mm -hmm. um, the solids are then reconstituted at the point of care, and part of that is to 
ensure the efficient uh say that word word for me efficacy, efficacy, <laughs> efficacy yes. thank you efficacy yes. of the drug now i know the the products that you're working with are are more um consumer products mm-hmm. not on the uh prescription pharmaceutical side of things but not it's being the, consumed yeah right but it's the same concept and there's no reason why the reason why they do it on the pharmaceutical side couldn't also be the same reason on, you know, a beverage side or, you know, whatever yeah. um, other products. Yeah. So I thought of There's that. Lots of, yeah, that's right. Um, but I'm also wondering, um, so um, I know that the replenished container has a very strong convenience aspect to it. And, um, you know, my, my earlier question, too, was what's changed? Well, um, that makes reusables a little bit more viable as a, a sustainability solution these days. And I guess I'm, I'm talking um, from both the consumer side of things as well as the brand side of things. And um, I'm just wondering if maybe we could talk because it's kind of like the big elephant in the room, you know, what has changed over the last year? Yes, what could it be? What what COVID um, could have, uh, how is COVID affecting the acceptability maybe, if that's the right word, for reusable packaging today? I think it all comes down to the where are people purchasing and consuming these products when you look at the cleaning categories and personal care categories. Overnight, you've seen this movement where people are in their homes, obviously, they're not going into offices, so they're not uh, washing their hands at an office sink or in an office kitchen or at a restaurant where they went to go grab uh, lunch. No, they're in their homes, and so they're bu- and they're buying these products and not leaving their homes. So overnight, you've seen the supply chains just completely be transformed. So I think that over the last 30, 40, 50 years, right, we built a system in consumer products that you manufactured and you shipped into distribution centers, and then you were shipping those products into big box retail. And, you know, tractor trailer trucks with 20 pallets in them um, is pretty efficient for the most part. So the bulk and the weight of these products weren't quite um, um, as, as, as big of an issue when now when you take a product that weighs three pounds or seven pounds and you have to send it into each individual's home. So, you know, that pallet where you had 200 units, let's say, on a pallet or 720 units that might go on one single pallet going into a store. Now take that into 720 homes. Think about the cost that gets um, exponentially larger when you move these products into where people and how people are buying them and where they're being delivered. So I think that that really has put an emphasis more than ever on, wow, how do we redesign and rethink these products? How do we design for reuse? How do we eliminate that bulk and weight? So instead of me maybe getting 720 15 ounce hand soaps on a pallet, how do I get 4,000, 5,000 equivalent hand soaps on one pallet? And, and, And how do I ship that more efficiently into someone's homes? That, so now it's it's it's, it's just a, a 90% maybe savings, right? When you think about the weight mm-hmm. and the bulk, right? Going into someone's homes. 
and not just selling them one bottle. I'm going to sell them maybe three bottles or I'm going to sell them maybe six, right? And that's what you can start thinking about those business models when you move into a concentrate world. So uh, I I think, I think that's where COVID has put that into more of a real context, no longer thinking about two or three years from now, four years from now, it is today. It is, it is playing out right now. And, you know, we're pretty close with uh, some of the different retailers out there, you know, one of, one of the big internet giants out there. And I know firsthand from what they've experienced in their distribution centers going through this, they don't have space. Um, they, they only have so much space to carry products. And so if you have a product that, that helps from that efficiency standpoint, that takes up less space in their distribution centers, that they have to touch less, that product is going to get a priority in what they're showing to consumers and where they think the future is because there's extreme pressures on on cost for them, just physical space, right? So because of the movement. So I think that that's, it's accelerated these, these changes that you and I maybe have been talking about and said, Hey, that's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's brought that five-year future today, right here on our doorstep. Okay, um, so this is all good news, I think, for you and for Replenish. Um, how has your company kind of benefited from the mindset shift that we're seeing? Yeah, it's a lot of companies still, though, if you think about this this, this movement overnight that's happened, they still, though, have to kind of catch up to their business models and how they're selling products today and still is a big undertaking to change a form factor and to change how you've maybe been selling products for decades, right? And move a ready-to-use version of your product to a reusable part or even more a reusable concentrate-friendly format. It is something that is um, is a big undertaking, and 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 we're just seeing companies now getting very serious about that, looking at how it affects their existing business and how can they think about their entire operations. Where are the cost savings? How do they explain the maybe a a new product offering? How does that how does that overlay against their existing product offerings? And and just thinking about the marketing, thinking about all the thoughtful things that you have to decide when you are, are, are changing a format, possibly. It's just the same thing you're seeing with the car companies, right? I mean, you, 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 electrification is still in its infancy, right? But it's yes. coming. It's accelerating. But all the big car companies have had to deal with this. And they're still selling gasoline engines, but they've had to refurbish their their whole operations around the future. And, and I think you're going to see that start to unfold with the big consumer product goods companies, right? Because the environmental pressures are real. The cost pressures are real. You just can't keep doing the same thing you've been doing for the last 30 years. And so that's why I still think it's in its infancy. I still think reuse. I still think concentrate-friendly formats. You're going to see several things proliferate. You're going to see companies that make changes. They're going to learn. They're, they're going to look, how do we differentiate our product lines? Where can we spend more money, perhaps, on a primary package like a reusable bottle? If you actually think about it, that reusable bottle is your touch point to your consumer every day. You should make that of the highest 
quality you possibly can. You should lace it in gold. (laughs) (laughs) Something that is beautiful for somebody because that is how they are interacting with your brand. That's what they touch and feel and see. It should be something that someone enjoys having in their home and is is something that they're proud of. And that's how you build loyalty. So my my biggest thing of this is not only are you going to have cost savings, not only are you going to have, you know, be, be able to, to meet some of your climate pledges, but you're going to see a return on marketing from packaging. And I think packaging can make this big shift where it's no longer viewed as something that has to be the cheapest, you know, thinnest, lightweight thing that you throw away. So wait a second. That is a marketing tool. And therefore, a marketing ROI when yes. how I think about that, that, that object that is in someone's home, just like a podcast, right? Look at the rise of podcasts. Yes. If you are taking someone's attention and you're able to show that, wait, we are garnishing an audience for what we're for, for what podcasts are doing, right? They're bringing more awareness, attention. There's an ROI. There's a, there's a, um, a score there that's associated with enjoyment, right? That's the same thing that you can see happen with packaging. And I think that is still very much in its infancy of, of where we look at a reusable future and it concentrates yes. on the future. Well, um, we've got a little bit more activity in that area as I know you are well familiar with. And I think um, most people in packaging also are familiar with the new loop, relatively new loop business from Tom Zaki, uh, who started TerraCycle and then now Loop. And that's the um, the whole idea, exactly what you're talking about, is that the reusable primary packages should be very durable, very um, high-end, um, and beautiful yep. as uh, a representation of the brand. And, um, you know, it's uh, Loop is getting it a, a lot of attention. Um, Tom is a master at marketing, in my opinion. <laughs> and um, but he you, you guys are both on this on the same path of explaining that invi- being environmental isn't always, like you say, the thinnest, uh, cheapest, um, you know, material that, oh, by the way, could be recycled. Is right. it being recycled? Maybe, maybe That's not, right. but you know, it could be. So um, I totally understand that. But, um, you know, so there's a, a lot going for reusable packaging these days for a lot of different reasons, which we've um, already talked about most of them. But um, Jason, what maybe are still some of the challenges? Like this is in its infancy. What more is it going to take to get the, uh, you know, the rock rolling down the hill? It is. It's an excellent question. I, I think that there's just an internal struggle still inside companies is what 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 factions kind of um, end up playing out for the speed at which these companies have to move to these new formats. Right. Because don't get me wrong, there is a um, there's an issue that companies face when they move into these new formats because it, it just changes the status quo. You know, if you're used to selling your products at you know a, a, a retail price point of 13 cents per ounce, then now all of a sudden you're moving into a concentrate friendly. That relationship of 13 cents per ounce changes. Now it may be only nine cents per ounce. 
And companies have to think, well, yes, we're going to maybe cannibalize some of our existing products and that relationship is going to change. But our long-term operating margins are actually going to be higher. We're going to have a higher margin dollar when we factor in all of these other externalities that that don't get sort of assigned, like uh, like trade spend, right? All the times you have to go on discount or you have to sell two for one, you know, these all these other little marketing games that have to be played to stimulate and keep that volume at these levels. You can start to change those relationships and 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 thinking about how do you hold on to your customers? What are you giving them? How, where are they buying these products first and foremost, right? Like we have to meet them where they are inside their homes. So it's just the business models are going to evolve and have to, there's going to be some risks that are going to have to be taken. There's going to have to be some changes that are made. And, you know, the companies are going to do that. It's just that which ones embrace it, which ones move quicker than others. I think the retailers have a huge hand to play here. You're seeing that they're putting pressure on the companies, you know, whether it's from, um, you know, the Walmart uh, aspect of, of their, they're a big leader. I applaud a lot of the things they're doing, um, you know, all the way to Amazon, right? Amazon is, is, is looking at the same things and saying, wait a second. And in the e-commerce perspective, we have to push a different format for mo- all the reasons I've outlaid. So they're going to be putting more pressure on on brands and and I think that there's already enough pressure on them. It's just it's just at which speed do they embrace these certain levels of of a degree of uncertainty? Which remember, any business does not like any degrees of uncertainty. But but they will do the same bold moves that GM has had to do, the same mm-hmm. bold moves that Ford has had to do. It it will be the future. It won't maybe play out in the same you know, uh, fanfare that you see happening now in, in the vehicle side, but it, the equivalent thereof will happen in packaging. We will see in five years, my prediction that that we will look at primary packaging in a very different way, because it can be a huge source of cost savings, not just because we made it lighter and thinner or designed it where we, there was some material breakthrough where we can just throw it out the car window and it biodegrades, you know, in a ditch somewhere and disappears. It's not going to happen, right? That's not that's not the goal. The goal is to think about durability, designing tools, things that last, that have a purpose, and that can therefore have a higher ROI, not just something that's designed to be thrown away. Right, right. Um, you know, as you were talking, you mentioned a word, and I and I jotted it down because I want to uh, emphasize it just a little bit more. And um, you talked about just the whole idea of space. And um, I've had the, the good fortune of being able to see inside a fulfillment facility for Amazon and how they run things. Um, with the pandemic, obviously, there are a lot more local retailers, uh, grocery stores, and, and all stores that are doing more, um, you know, kind of uh, pickup slash delivery fulfillment themselves. So this whole idea of space is a big one. It really yeah. is. I, I don't think we've really given it its due Um f- partly because of how it's been exasperated because of the the pandemic and all these other people who are all of a sudden like we, we need to do fulfillment how, how do we how do we do it number one and how do we do it efficiently number two so the whole idea of um, the size of a package I think is going to make a bigger difference going forward 
so um, that absolutely. was kind of, kind absolutely. of interesting I'm, that you brought that out. And I, and I mean, that's one thing that I, I applaud what Tom's done with Loop. And, and I think that he's, he's bringing a, a, a beautiful shining light on the power of reuse. And I think the second wave will have to be designing products that are durable, but the second wave is the space, right? It is, it is the trucks that are coming back and forth from our homes and what they're transporting and what we're sending back to a refurbishment center and remaking and sending back in. I mean, we, we, the water, the water in these products is the source of the bulk and the weight. And that's the next thing you have to design. And I, 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 you know, I don't believe everything can come in a little dollop in a water soluble packet. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that that is the, you know, that'll be the future for some products and for some brands. Maybe that's what they want. But I believe that there needs to be an integrated primary package that supports um, something that's very easy to use that can actually have, you know, put the consumer in command more and allow them to have an expression if they want a little bit stronger fragrance, if they want a product, a formula that's a little, maybe a little bit stronger, uh, they can have that ability to add a little bit more within a controlled range, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one thing that, that replenished that we've worked on this last year and some of the new product innovations we have coming out here in the next month or two is going to be that ability where you can kind of have this range to make products your own. To have this latitude that if I want to have a little bit of a creamier hand soap, I can do that. Um, or if I want something maybe that's a little bit lighter, maybe if, if I'm using a surface cleaner and I want it to be something that's just a, uh, I want it to last a little longer. I can kind of have this latitude within this range. And, and then, so these are going to be all these expressions that concentrate friendly formats are going to be able to do. And in specifically an integrated package that combines the, the durable reusable piece with the concentrate pod that, that integrates together, right? So there's gonna be lots of different ways to think about it, but we have to attack the water. The water is where we will get the biggest bulk of a return from, from, from changing this, this space that these products take up today, the weight that in air that they take up even, right? So th- that's, that's gonna be the big thing we're gonna have to solve for in the future. Okay, excellent. Um, I love that phrase. Um, how packaging and products—the package in a um, the product in a package as an expression. I just love that, Jason. You're so artistic. Um, so, and actually, you you kind of are teasing us now a little bit because um, there's stuff going on at Replenish that we're uh, we need to know about. So, what's, yeah, what's what's next for Replenish? We'll we'll end with this. Tell us uh, what's next with replenish. What what should we be looking for in these next you know, couple one, months? One thing we've we, you know we've always done um, a, a good job of replenish is trying to think about the future and trying to innovate and you know take learnings from consumers, things that we see playing out and and, and looking out in the future and saying what are new features, what are what are new things that we can bring. Whether that's customization, we're thinking about that bottle and that shape and that color or that size, that, that that's something that can really be easily uh, interchangeable with our system. Uh, and and, and the, that replenish mixing engine, which is the measuring cup, the, the base plate that is sort of like this sort of chassis, right, that you can build different bottles off of. 
Um, now, now our, our again, our future is sort of thinking about, okay, what, what are consumers going to want? What do we hear them say? And it's control. Consumers love this idea of being able to make something their own. And even if they don't necessarily take advantage of it, the fact that they could, that's important for people. And I think that that's where we're introducing sort of having having a, a, a customizable filling experience to replenish where you're going to be able to have a range that the, the chemistries, the, for, the concentrate formulas themselves, you can dose within a range where they can be a little bit stronger or you can keep them at sort of a regular strength. And, and giving the consumer the ability to do that, I think, is, is something that I'm really excited about to play out. And at Replenish, you know, we have a we have a we have brands that we are sister brands of Replenish where we design chemical formulations and cleaning formulas that we, you know, go out into the world and we sell. We get to learn what consumers are looking at. And we're excited to bring that to our branded partners and brands that are, you know, we're in discussions with who are seeing this future evolve, right? Mm-hmm. Where it, it's not enough to just offer a reusable component, right? They, they need to create an experience. They need to build loyalty. They need to build differentiation, not just look to do something. What's the cheapest way I can do it? You can do that if you want. I just think that over time, you you need to think holistically about the life cycle of, of what your, your brand is going to stand for, what features, what experiences you're going to create and offer to your consumers. How are you going to stand out and how are you going to evolve? How are you going to create better products and better experiences? And that is the frontier where we're moving towards in packaging, not just the cheapest, you know, nicest, cheapest thing I can put my product in. That's not that's not the future. Well, um, wonderful, Jason. Um, I can envision that future and i know a lot of people who are listening can also envision that future because that's what they're working toward (laughs) so um wonderful well um i look forward to hearing more about what um you know we can talk about uh at replenish in the the coming months so when you when you're ready for uh to let us know the specifics uh give me a call Absolutely. You're always at the top of that list, Lisa. So thank you so much. And thank you for giving us your time and your expertise for today on this uh, lovely episode of Packaging Possibilities. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. 